couldn't help to think, man, if we could just get a little bit of the holiness of God in us, what that would change in our lives, what that would do for our testimonies, what that would do to our church if we got a little bit more of His holiness. I want that, don't you? And uh, tonight, I appreciate you coming tonight, and I'm excited to, to give you some encouragement tonight that the Lord's laid on my heart, and, and uh, just trying to be a little real with you tonight. I'm, you know, this is probably one of the first times that I can ever remember that I don't have an outline. I really have a three-word sermon topic, and that's it. And I'll give it to you in just a minute. But um, just I talked to Brother Doug about doing something a little different tonight, and and um, got his okay. So if you don't like it, talk it, take it up with him. <laughs> just kidding. No, no, no. It's all God. We can blame God. But um, you know, I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, in a one week from right now, this place gonna be covered up. We're gonna have people everywhere. We're gonna have kids. And women and men and grandmas and grandpas all dressed up, kids, little girls in princesses outfits, little boys and dressed up as football players and dinosaurs, right, Graham? <laughs> Wherever Graham is, he loves dinosaurs. Um, they're going to be everywhere. There's going to be moms and dads and grandpas and grandpas dressed up in things that are just silly because they, their kids want them to dress up like that, right? There's going to be a youth pastor dressed up here that's going to look silly because his wife dresses them up silly every year and makes me wear things like this right here. Um, I think this was like 12 years ago, um, I think. If we can get it showed up there. Come on, come on, come on. It's coming. That was a little anticlimactic, wasn't it? Right? There we go. How about that? Molly, I think you were two, maybe. So you're 14, that's 12 years ago. Um, yeah, Popeye the Sailor Man. Doot, doot. Yeah, with me. And olive oil. She's so gorgeous. All right, and then, and then the next year, we, she talked me into doing something like this. If you can even tell, that's Charlie Brown and Lucy, I think. Or Lucy? Peppermint Patty, okay. Um, so, yeah, we bought yellow and green shirts, put tape on them. So, um, and then, then, then this one, um, I was lightning, and I, I struck her with my lightning and made her, burned her hair and fried her all up and everything. And, it, it, you know, it's really hard to dress up and not be evil, right? And not do something that's demonic or of the enemy. And so we've really been diligent to do this over the past couple of years. And I'm kind of boring y'all with this. But in this next one here, we remember the Domino's? We did, we did pizza out here, remember? We had like hundreds and hundreds of pizzas out there. This was like six or seven years ago. And we thought we'd be Domino's since Domino's gave us a good deal on pizza. And then we did The Price is Right. How about that one? That was, I have no idea, but that was fun that year. I was, yeah, she outbid me. See, she did 71. And then two years ago, what's that movie? Um, the Great Showman. I saw it for the first time like two weeks ago. It's a really good movie. But anyway, that was two years ago. I was a lion tamer. She was my little lion. All right. And then last year, we did. I was, I was a granny dressed up, or wolf dressed up as granny. She was little Red Riding Hood. And, and next week, or next week, we're going to be what? What are we going to be? And now we can't tell. We'll be a surprise. Not that it matters, but it was, always, it was also fun climbing up that fireman ladder with a skirt on. Girls, I don't know how y'all do that. That was a blessing. So, um, and uh, to drop that pumpkin, which we're doing again this year. I'm excited about that. So, um, all that to say is pumpkin bash is a blast, is it not? And, and I love the fact that we do this every year. And I love, we used to call it harvest night. Then we transitioned to pumpkin bash, trying to change up a little bit. But we do it almost every year. We missed a year of 2020, of course. And um, I just love it. I love the, the, the getting together with everybody in the community and with you guys. But, but let me ask you this. What's the point? I mean, why we do it? Don't answer. It's rhetorical. I mean... We spend hundreds and thousands of dollars, right, on this event. And we ask every one of the Sunday school classes, without the exception of maybe a few, to, to host a booth or a game or a slide or a blow-up or a table or 
or face painting, right? Or, and we ask you to bring, I mean, how many of y'all brought candy already? I mean, they're like 30 bucks, right? This is expensive candy. We ask you to bring cavity, you know, we, we're encouraging, Whitney, where you at, baby? We're trying to help your business out with dentists. You know, bringing all this candy to rot kids' teeth out. Every year we ask you to invest in this because we believe in this, this event, okay? But I want, you, I want to ask you this. Is Pumpkin Bash an outreach for our community? Yeah. We want our community to know that we love them, that we, we want them to come to our church and to come to know Christ, and this, it's good for our community. Um, it, it, is it is an attempt to provide an alternative for trunk or trick-or-treaters? Yeah, right? We don't want them to go dress as ghosts and goblins and demonic stuff. We want to give them an alternative to come to our church, even though it's the night before this year. But... We want, that's part of our reasoning. We also want it to be fun, right? I'm going to have fun. I don't know about you, but I'm going to have fun. And, what, you know, every year we want to have fun, yes. Is it good fellowship for our Sunday school classes and for each other? Yeah, good times. I mean, seeing them old people doing their, your bean, oh, watch it, your beanbag toss. Mr. Enda gave me a point. I better be careful. You know, I mean, I love it. I love the community and the fellowship and the relationships that are, that are strengthened and, and built up through pumpkin bashing. But I want to challenge you with this as, as something that the Lord's worked me over on recently. I have not looked at Pumpkin Bash or Harvest Night even in the years before as a, an evangelistic opportunity like I should have, as, a, as an opportunity for us to, to share Jesus with people, to give people the gospel, to tell people the good news of Jesus like we should have. And, and can Pumpkin Bash be an opportunity for us to share Christ and to see someone saved? 100%. Now, is it just that? No, we've already talked about some other stuff. But it can happen. And my, my challenge tonight for you is I don't want you to miss out. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on what God could do through Pumpkin Bash next Sunday night. Don't miss out. Um, I, I said this earlier. He's been busting my chops and trying to show me to be, or show me to be more sensitive to people's lostness and to um, people he's put in my life um, to share the gospel with. I got a man that walks through our neighborhood probably once every other week or so, or at least that's when I see him. I don't believe he lives in our neighborhood. He's not like walking for exercise because he comes through, he has head down, hoodie on, even when it's hot, like he doesn't want people to see him. And he always comes back by with a bag in his hand, like he goes to the store. I don't know why, but he goes through our neighborhood. Two weeks ago tonight, Matt Daniels, you preached, I think, didn't you? And I was on the way here. I saw him. I knew kind of sort of what I was doing tonight, but not sure. And I just, the Holy Spirit said, hey, here's a lost person. There's a man, you know. So I kind of slowed up, and I went to put my window down. It's like I couldn't push the button in time. He kind of just kept on by my truck and walked on by. And I, so I prayed for him. I said, God, give me an opportunity again. I promise I'll, I'll tell, me about, tell him about you. So I've been praying for this man. Do you, adults, teenagers, old, young, do you have people that you're praying for God to give you an opportunity to lead them to Christ? Do you have people in your life that are lost that you need to share Christ with? Ask him for those people. Ask God to, to peel the blinders off your eyes and to use things that, only he can use to lead people to Jesus and to lead people through victory in Christ. And tonight, um, you might be like, well, how in the world are you going to relate that to this passage? But I'm going to do my best. So turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 17. Judges chapter 17. Because I believe that God can use a bunch of candy, a bunch of blow-ups, a bunch of games, and a bunch of candy, what's it, cakewalks and face painting and stuff like that, to, to reach the lost in this community. I'm just dumb enough to believe it, and I hope you are too. It might seem a little odd, but you know what? God did all kind of odd stuff in the Bible, amen? There's all kind of stuff you read, and you're like, what? We're going to read one of those tonight. It's the Judges chapter 7, where this man named Gideon comes on the scene. He actually comes on the scene at 
couple chapters before. But in Judges chapter 7, we all know that over and over and over and over again in the Bible, God's people took their eyes off of him and did evil in his sight. And because of that, God put them through a time of, of, of bondage or a time of distance from him and, and even brought people, other com- countries into their life to put them in oppression. And, and here in Judges chapter 7, uh, the Israelites were, again, had did evil in the sight of God, and God sent the Midianites to, to oppress them. They were taking their food and their livestock, and they, w- they had to hide it in caves because they couldn't, couldn't get away with it. The Midianites kept coming and robbing them. And, and ch- Judges chapter 7, we see this man named Gideon come on scene, and God calls him to go save the Israelites from the hands of the Midians. Now, look up at me real quick. To give you a little background without reading a lot, because we had a lot to read in a minute, without reading even more, in chapter 6, when God calls Gideon, Gideon has questions, but he says yes and obeys God anyway. Gideon doubted his own abilities, but God gave him confidence. Gideon was even uncertain of God's plan, but God gave him proof. God gave him certainty. He had fear when he faced the enemy, but God reassured him that he was in control and he had a plan. He had, he had a way of using Gideon, and we need to see because we have doubts, we have questions, we have uncertainties, don't we? We have fears about sharing our faith. Amen? God's bigger than that. So let's read our passage. Judges chapter 7. We're going to read a lot, so stay with me. You know, I'll talk fast. I'm going to try to read fast too, okay? Y'all ready? Here we go. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people were with him, were with him, rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. Verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give into the Midianites, give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Y'all see what you understand? He's like, there's too many people. I don't want them to boast that they did anything. Verse 3, now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. What's 22,000 plus 10,000? 30,000 people started off with. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them there for you. And, and anyone whom, of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. Say it with me. 300. Say it again. Ready? 300 men. And y'all still wait. Good. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands and let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions of their hands and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Verse 9. Y'all still with me? Say Amen. Good stuff. Here we go. Nine. That same night, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down into, against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you're afraid to go down, which he only had how many people? <laughs> 300 men. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purai, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purai, Purai I'm not sure how to say that, I meant to clarify that, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. And their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. Would you say that's a lot of folks? A big old army, right? Verse 13, then Gideon came. Behold, 
a man, I'm sorry, when Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. He said, behold, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets in the hands of all of them and emptied jars with torches inside the jars. We'll get there in a minute, but what? Verse 17. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of the camp and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars uh, that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hand the torches and in their right hand the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord said, Every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. Wow. Wow. You can read the rest of that chapter later if you want. Wow. Everybody say, Wow. Can you imagine being one of those 300 men? Being one of those 300 men that saw this with your own eyes, this mind blowing act of God, this miracle performed by God. I wouldn't want to miss that, would you? I would want to be a part of that. I'd be like, sign me up, man. I want to be one of the 300. So let me point out some, some observations in this text here, okay? First of all, we said that Gideon started out with how many men? 32,000. Started off with 32,000 people. That's an army. That's a good-sized army. But probably not even enough to, to defeat the Midianites. But verse 2, God said, or the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. So he gave them an option if they were what? Fearful and trembling. Have you ever been fearful and trembling to, to share your faith? Have you ever been like, oh, no, like I did with that guy driving, you know, with his head down in my neighborhood. I was like, oh, God, I'm not sure if I should stop a window down. He, he gave an escape goat and said, go ahead. It's okay. Go home. 22,000 of them. They missed out. Down to 10,000. And God told Gideon, no, that's still too many. Go down the water. I got, I got plans for them to, 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 to divide them even more. And he watched them as they were drinking the water. And, and, he, and some of them, and I'm, there's a lot of commentary on this, by the way, if you want to go back and study it. There's a lot of other things I could, rabbits I could chase with this. But some would say that, you know, well, Larry Wright, where you, you're here, you could probably help us on this one, but don't. But, you know, they, they lap down like a dog, you know. You want to take the mic? Um, and so the ones that knelt, though, God said, I, I don't want to use them. And, and we don't know exactly why. Maybe because they were, by the way, they said go down to the water, which is probably closer to the enemy. Right? Does it mean like being close to the enemy? No, right? Fear and trembling. But, but 9,700 of them, what they do? They missed out. 9,700 took off, went home. God told them to go home. They go. 300 men were left. That's exact, the exact number that God wanted to use to show the Israelites that he and he alone was God. Now, that might seem, you know, here we're getting to this, um, this part, which is 300 men, and this, this, this next part just seems a little silly, a little illogical for me when I read this. Like, why? What in the world? You know, why would you use jars, crashing jars and tooting a horn? By the way, I almost brought my trumpet in here. You're sad, aren't you? 
I was going to do the Reveille song, you know, play for you, but they smashed jars and blew a trumpet against a vast army of people. No swords, no spears, no shields, no helmets, no way of, but a jar with a torch and a trumpet. Silly, illogical, doesn't seem, that doesn't make sense. That's the kind of things that God wants to do to show that he's God and we're not. And he wants to save people. He wants to redeem people. He wants to be victorious over people's lives. God can do whatever he wants with a faithful few 300 people. And I believe I don't want to miss out. I want to see God do something in my life. I want to see God do something in your life. I want to see God do something in our church. I want to see God do something in our community. Amen? We've been praying for revival. It might start next Sunday night. Hallelujah, right? At a pumpkin bash. Well, we're dropping pumpkins and throwing out candy and giving out, you know, God can do whatever he wants to do if we as his people will free ourselves up and trust him and know that he's got a plan for our lives. Did you notice that the scripture did not give an exact number for the enemy? Just kind of scratched my head through that, and I guess that's why God kind of put me in this direction because I think, you know, we need to, fo- so often we focus on the enemy. Oh, he's big and bad and strong, and we focus on, oh, I, I can't talk to this person about Jesus because the enemy might, you know, destroy my my faith, or he might, they might ask me questions that I don't know how to answer. They might boggle me with the, we, we succumb to the enemy too often because we are focused on that too often. And I think in this scripture, God doesn't give us that. He gives us a focus on the, 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 20, the 32,000 and the 20,000 that left, fear and trembling, and then the 9,700 that, that were called out because they drank the water wrong. I'm not sure how that works, Larry. Tell me later. Um, but they missed out. I don't want to miss out. I don't want you to miss out. I want to be used by God. I want to see people come to know Jesus through pumpkin bash. I want to see God save people through giving out candy. I want to see God use us as the people of God to lead people to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. You believe God wants to save people? I mean, right? Matt read that verse in Ezekiel. He didn't know what I was going to preach tonight. And he said, I've got this verse I've been studying. And I said, wow. He seeks out his sheep. Right? I said, right. That's your catchword, by the way, right? You listen to Matt preach. He says, right a lot. <laughs> I love it. Um, Jesus and God seeks out the lost. He, he does that. He seeks out his sheep. He knows his sheep. He knows his own. And he wants us, his sheep, to reach out and, and to let people you know, know that we have Jesus and we have the, the hope of Christ and we have the, the salvation that they can have uh, freely giving themselves up to Jesus. And, um, you know, I think we live our lives and we go through events like this with just, eh, it's another event. Eh, it's another camp. Eh, it's another VBS. Eh, another Sunday morning. Right, Doug? Just another Sunday morning. God wants to show up. God wants to do something. God wants to redeem. God wants to use us, empower us. And I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do. And I don't want our church to miss out what God wants to do. 2 Timothy 2, 4, God says he desires all people to be saved. Everybody say, all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And guess what? He wants to empower and use each and every one of us, if you're born again, to lead people to Christ. Do you think God can use a bunch of candy, blow-ups, games, beanbag tosses, right? I 100% emphatically believe that. And, and I don't want Pumpkin Bash to go on this year just as another blip on our calendar, as another event that we put on every year. Because we, we, don't, we don't take it off. Right? I'm not opposed, and I know our staff's not opposed to just saying, no, if it ain't working, if it ain't leading people to Jesus, let's just, right? We don't do it because we've always done it. We do it because there's intention behind it. There's purpose behind it. 
And that's to lead people to Christ. So let me ask you something. What's keeping God from using you? What's keeping God, what's holding back God empowering you and using you to lead your friends to Christ? Maybe it's a sin struggle. Maybe I've been talking with some people recently about the, the sin of Achan and how the Israelites went in and guess what? They got, I don't remember the number, several thousand perished because of one man's sin, disobedience at Ai. And I believe too often God's like, oh, I want to bless you, Underwood. I want to do something. I want to use pumpkin bash. I want to do this, but you got I want you to be broken over your sin, church. Are you, does sin bother you? Does it bother you to sin? Does it hurt your heart? It should. If you have the Holy Spirit, it, it should bother you. But I want to remind you, when you look at this Gideon, he had questions. He had doubts. He had uncertainties. He had fears. You think the 300 people had fears and worries? Probably. I mean, 300 people and these thousands upon thousands upon thousands of men ready to fight. And I got a, a jar and a trumpet. I'm going to, right? I mean, I can imagine. But look what God did. He defeated the enemy and he saved his people. So listen, there's going to be a ton of lost people here on campus a week from right now. We'll be about to drop the pumpkin, Kevin, if you're here tonight. Yeah, we'll be close to dropping the pumpkin in, in one week from right now. Tons of lost people all around this, this campus. And I don't want to miss out on connecting them to Jesus. I don't want my church to, to miss out on connecting these people to the love of Christ. So let's ask God to use Pumpkin Bash to reach lost men, women, children, families, can we? Amen? Last week, does anybody have Instagram? Raise your hand. Nobody has Instagram? Instagram? Okay. Does anybody have TikTok? Shame on you. I'm just kidding. Um, this, I came upon this Instagram reel from a man named, I don't know, some, some preacher. I can't remember his name. He's not a big deal. Adrian Rogers, I think it was his name. Um, some nobody. Just kidding. He's a man of God. He's amazing, but he's with Jesus. But came across this video of him several years ago, and, and, I, and it motivated me in this soul-winning mindset of being all about Jesus and focusing on the gospel for tonight. And I want to show this real quick and then um, let this convict you to the core like it did to me. Most of the people in our church are not active soul winners. That's tragic. You say, but pastor, I give my money. I don't care how much money you give. If you're not endeavoring to bring souls to Christ, you're not right with God. You say, well, I teach. I don't care how eloquently you teach. If you're not trying to bring souls to Jesus, you're not right with God. You say, well, I attend faithfully. I don't care how much you attend. If you're not trying to bring souls to Jesus Christ, you're not right with God. Well, you say, I live a clean moral life. I don't care how circumspectly you walk. If you're not endeavoring to bring souls to Jesus Christ, you are not right with God. Andrew Murray said there are two classes of Christians, soul winners and backsliders. You're one or the other. If you don't have a passion to see people come to the Lord Jesus Christ, I wonder if you know the Jesus that I know. That hurt. That hurt. I, I'm, I want to go back and listen to the whole sermon, but I, I saw that real, and I just I'm, I almost just cried in my office. I'm like, God, forgive me for not being a soul winner. Church, we need to be after the lost. We need to be desperate, seeking out and, and, and trying to lead people to Jesus. And what an opportunity. What an opportunity we have next Sunday night.
This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.